0: Hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Russler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, um, we uh, sort of uh, have begun this uh, spring sort of semester or spring season of our podcast by really diving into the Sermon on the Mount, Mm -hmm. which as we talked about is the sermon that sort of sets this vision or casts this vision. Of the kingdom life here on earth and what it really looks like, and but it doesn't begin with anger or sex or the things that we've talked about. It really begins with this list that's pretty well known, actually, not just in Christian circles but beyond Christian circles. This list known as the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. this list of sayings from from Jesus that began this sermon, and uh, and it's it's good to read the list because it, it really reminds you that what Matthew includes in his gospel, when he, when he talks about the Sermon on the Mount, is probably just even a Cliff Notes version of the actual sermon itself. It's, it's doubtful that Jesus is just sort of spouting off philosophical little sound bites, right? I mean, he's unpacking each of these right. probably at length and talking about it and all that kind of stuff. And so it's probably good for us to sort of maybe back, the, maybe back up the card a little bit, put it in reverse, and really hit these Beatitudes, because this gives us the overarching view of this sort of upside-down kingdom That Jesus is presenting and and how different the kingdom of God is from the ways of the world. So um, as you think about the Beatitudes, what's just some initial thoughts that you've got to kind of get people started?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that I remember when I read these was they're written in sort of this churchy language that didn't make sense when I read them without understanding them, I -hmm. suppose. You know, he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let Uh, me ask this. Why
0: why do you call that churchy language? Because there wasn't a church back then when Jesus was doing it. right? right? So this wasn't, this by definition, wasn't churchy language. Right. But why do we, 2,000 years later, like look at that and go, yeah, that like sounds formal or sounds churchy, like you said.
1: That's a great question. I think, so I always heard it say, said blessed rather than blessed right which i never you know if i saw the word b-l-e-s-s-e-d in in a book i would think blessed but the pastor would always say blessed right in the the bible it's different yeah as soon as you say that it sounds a little more holy or something and then it would say emphasis
0: on the wrong syllable
1: that's right and then he'd say you know the poor in spirit which i heard to mean like oh yeah You have to get rid of everything because super Christians own nothing. Right. They go to the ends of the earth and they live with, you know, tribes somewhere. Those are the super Christians who get heaven, you know, and Mm -hmm. I would go down the list and go, man, this is probably something Jesus was saying to first century Christians that really doesn't apply to me me, because Jesus Mm -hmm. doesn't know 21st century what that's going to be like at all. And it was only as I got older and read them for what they were that it was this radical teaching, this, this he goes on, I mean, and we've mentioned it in our past ones where he says, you've heard that it was said Mm. because the, the Jews were raised with this, this Torah, this law, this way of doing things that they had inherited from generations before them going all the way back to Moses to say, here's, here's what's going to set you apart as a people. Yeah. And then Jesus comes along and says, you've heard this, everybody, you all know this, but I'm going to just give you a a different perspective. What it it actually Mm. means now that I'm here. And that's, as I've grown to understand that, it just blows my mind every time I read it.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting when you think about that, like what Jesus is trying to do here, because many people will say that uh what, what what Matthew records here is really Jesus as the greater Moses. Hmm. Moses went up a mountain, Moses talked to God, Moses received the law of God, right, came down, delivered it to Israel, right? In the same way Jesus goes up a mountain, he's got he's he's talking about the, literally the same law that Moses gave Israel yeah. all those centuries before. He's also talking about blessings and curses, which is exactly what Moses did back in Deuteronomy. Like he's, Moses set all of that in front of the people of Israel. Jesus is doing the exact same thing, but with these twists and turns. Mm-hmm. You have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. but I say to you. Even if you get angry with your brother. Right. So there's this sense in which he's taking the, the Ten Commandments, the, the the Torah, the heart of God's law, reinterpreting it, deepening it, intensifying it, right? But it begins that with this list of blessings. And like you said, it's blesseds or, you know, instead yeah. of blessed. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we and we we hear that word blessing. So when you were, when I was thinking about that, the comment about it being churchy language, mm-hmm. right? We have taken the term blessed or blessed. And we have completely, re- it, it, we have reduced, We've reduced it. Right. right. Yeah. We have, we have diminished it.
1: We almost make it sound like
0: you're good. If you, or you'll be happy, be happy. Right. In fact, there was a book written called the be happy attitudes. No way. Oh yeah. And it was like this, like, Oh, this is how you be happy. Right. Oh. Which is the exact opposite. What of what Jesus really meant. And it's the exact opposite of what Moses meant back in the old Testament. Like you don't, the blessings of God are not for human happiness. They're, now, they're not not for human happiness, but that's like a byproduct. Right. The, 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 when we talk about a state of being blessed, we're, talked about, we're talking about a state of, of well-being in your relationship with God, like this deep, profound connection to God that is rich and life-giving. That is what it means to be blessed, according to the Bible. Right. I mean, it's it's really, that's what, it's being in right relationship with God. That's what yields blessing. And yes, of course, being in right relationship with God does make us happy on some level. Right. But that's not the point of it all, right? This is not like a, hey, do these seven or eight or nine things, and you're going to be happy, <laughs> right? Or like, yeah. hey, the American way is like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the way that you pursue happiness is to do these seven or eight, nine things, and you're going to be good, as we'll talk about in a minute, like these seven or eight or nine things actually yield a life that isn't like super great, not according to most Americans or most Westerners, right? As in terms of yeah. how we think about life. So when when you that that word blessed or that word blessed or blessing mm-hmm. or whatever it is, like in that state of well being in our relationship with God, that state of peace, wholeness, completeness in our relationship with God, are there other words you would associate with bless from a biblical perspective now, as opposed to a cultural perspective, which is like, hey, man, you're blessed. Like, you, you know,
1: you're good, man. I think what I've heard, and, I, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I've, I've understood I it. <laughs> I
0: have no doubt you will.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I do even know why I caveat that. <laughs> but it's this idea of, almost like how we translate shalom as peace. Yes, right, right. It, it's more of a fullness of contentment than right. our, our word peace. And I've heard sort of a similar thing yes. to the blessed. It's not, yes, yes there's happiness, but it's, it's sort of this fullness, this completeness of like this koinonia relationship with God mm. that we all at some level our souls want, our souls need. Mm. That Ecclesiastes 3.11, like our, our soul remembers Eden. And yeah. if we find ourselves recognizing that as we live life here on earth, that things are coming up short. Yeah. These nine Beatitudes are for us because we recognize the need for more. And that's, that's how I've
0: understood blessed. But And I think that's exactly right. And I think that really points to the reason and the whole rationale we've, you know, behind why we started this podcast is really to help people understand you know, on some level, that gap that you experience in your life, and we all feel it. I don't care if you're a believer, not a believer. I don't care where, where you come from in the world. I, I've been around the world. I've talked to folks from all kinds of different cultures, all kinds of different religious faiths and backgrounds. You name it, everybody is feeling this gap
1: mm-hmm. between
0: how we experience life in this world and 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 there's a sense in which it just, surely this can't be all there is. This isn't or or even more, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. So there's a gap between what we experience and what we what we almost like what we expect we should experience. That's 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 why it feels wrong to us. It's like if we didn't have those expectations, it wouldn't feel wrong because we wouldn't have expectations that we're falling short of. But it seems like no matter where you go in the world, everybody feels like this world is not measuring up. And Jesus says, Right. It doesn't. So let me, let me tell you how to, in the midst of this unrighteous world, in the midst of this world so full of so much suffering and pain and heartache and failure and all kinds of things, let me tell you what it means to live into the fullness. Right. Let me tell you what it means to live in the fullness of God's kingdom now versus, oh, i got to wait until after I pass After I go to be with Jesus, you know.
1: Right. The the things that I find interesting about that, what you're saying, is there's this sense that what we're doing right now, it's... uh, I think of my friend Darius Holland. He won the Super Bowl. He has the confetti raining down on him. And he said his first thought was, there's got to be something more. Mm. And he's... I mean, he's a... Uh, an army chaplain now on the east coast and he's wow. he's writing i think he's writing a book called chasing the wrong ring wow and now that's a, so that's he holds up a great, up a great book. and he has this great talk where he holds up his super bowl ring and he holds up at his wedding ring and i mean darius i love you i think i mean he's pushing 300 pounds he's close yeah i he's mean a big if, he, dude. if he's not oh, yeah, I knew in college. he's yeah. very close and he'll hold up both rings and he will say one of these you can just come and take i really don't care and the other one you're going to have a 300-pound angry man come at you and fight you to the death to take. Yeah. And it's his wedding ring, right? right? And I, I love that Jesus comes and just says, if you're feeling that, I, I've got some reasons as to why. And he just jumps right into these nine statements that the more you think about them, and even there's there's some evidence that James, in the book of James, Echoes yes. the Sermon right. on the Mount, right? right? And particularly these Beatitudes. Yeah. When he's writing, as I think it's that's the oldest Old Testament book recorded. And New Testament book. That's yeah. what I meant. Yes. 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 See there, I corrected you. <laughs> Thank you, you don't so even much. Have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> and just that one's for free. Blessed are those who get corrected.
0: That one's for free.
1: <laughs> but there, it just seems to be on repeat throughout Scripture. Yeah. Like right. we keep missing it. We have these eyes but don't mm-hmm. see. We have these ears but don't hear. And Jesus goes, "Let me again just try to push these towards you."
0: Yeah, so let's start with the first one, maybe. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What in the heck does that mean?
1: Well, here's what I've come to learn, and Doug, feel free to correct me if I'm I wrong. Will,
0: I will <laughs> correct you if you are get it wrong, yes.
1: I think it it's an echo of something Jesus says later, where he talks about only the sick need a doctor. Yeah. I think it's this recognition that in our spirits, we need to recognize that in and of ourselves, we are incomplete, Mm. that we are lacking, Mm. that we cannot muster up enough goodness within us Mm. to measure up to God's holiness, to spend eternity with him in heaven. Yeah. And it's in recognizing that in ourselves that should compel us to go, man, I, I can't do this on my own. I need help. Mm-hmm. And that's where Jesus steps in and goes, yeah, that, that's why I'm here. You, you yeah. need a Messiah. You need a Lord. You need a Savior who can stand in that gap between you and God. But until mm-hmm. you recognize the deficiency in yourself to be mm-hmm. good, you have no need for a Lord. You have no need for a Savior because you will just constantly try to be better. You'll constantly try to summon goodness on your own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. I think it's that word poverty is one that we associate typically with material poverty, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, people live in poverty and, and that's a real thing, obviously, Uh, you know, I've been around the world to seeing life threatening poverty, people that live on less than a couple of dollars a day, which is, you know, like almost impossible for me to fathom Mm -hmm. on some level, right? I've been around uh, poverty here in the United States you know, which looks a little bit different. It's still really hard, but it's, it's different. It's Mm -hmm. not the same, right? Because of the support systems and support networks that we have here uh, present in our communities that help at least ease the burden of poverty a bit. Even though, like I said, it's really tough. I was actually talking to someone today who in our community here in Parker, Colorado, we don't see a lot of poverty. It's a very affluent community, but that's, that's changing. That really is changing. Our counseling center here at Pepsi, we started that with the goal of serving those on Medicaid and the suburban poor and our counseling load is full. Wow. And that's, primarily coming from Parker and the surrounding communities. And and it's awesome. Like, it's such a privilege to to serve um, the least resource and the under-resourced in our area. But it was interesting talking to this person this morning who mentioned to me that for the very first time, at least in this person's experience, they saw someone who was suffering from homelessness in our community. Right. And they didn't quite know how to handle it and quite know what to do. And so we actually spent about 20 minutes after you know, our worship service this morning, talking through like, what were the different options they could have chosen? Hmm. Now they did, they didn't do nothing, which was awesome. They did something. They, they, they didn't just sort of like avoid and walk by on the other side, like the Levite, mm-hmm. or, you know, from like right. the Good Samaritan story, right? right that right. Jesus also tells, but they actually tried to engage, but they just felt so deeply inadequate. And I, and I pointed out to this person, I said, okay, so that feeling of deep inadequacy, that you can't actually solve this person's problem you can't solve homelessness Mm -hmm. for this person that is being poor in spirit Hmm. recognizing that you need help to help this other person right you don't have the power to do it you don't have the authority to do it you don't get to control this other person's life we were talking about it and they were like well i just i wanted to do something i said so did you ask them what help they needed and they were like no i just know they need help and i said well how do you know that Hmm. You know. And they were like, well, I just assumed. I said, right. I said, so you need to make sure you ask because every single person, you know, is dealing with unique circumstances and these kinds of things. Sure. And don't make assumptions, right? Don't operate just based on your assumptions. Like, like, make sure you give them the dignity of at least asking and treating them like an equal and letting them guide and direct their own path. Like they have, a, they have authority over where their life goes on some level. Now, if we can come alongside and provide resources, awesome. But we should not presume Right. That we know better for someone simply because of some observable condition that we can see kind of in their life. It's the same thing when I go overseas, frankly. I mean, I'm dealing with people that are, again, in life-threatening poverty. And the first few times I went overseas, there was such a temptation to think, I've got to make them like me, I've got to make the, the goal here is middle-class America.
1: Hmm.
0: That's not the goal. That that, right. that can't be the goal. The goal has got to be to come alongside them in their context where they're at and say, okay, how do I help them here? And what can they teach me about what life looks like in this community and in this region of the world and what it really takes to thrive here? Because I have my vision of what the good life is or the blessed life is mm-hmm. is absolutely shaped by suburban America where I live.
1: What about the blessed
0: life? (laughs) The blessed life. Well, I think it's interesting Uh, that
1: Jesus chooses to use the word poverty there, or poor. He could have chosen other things, but I think, I mean, later on, after he encounters the rich young ruler, he talks about it's really difficult for the wealthy to gain heaven. And he has this, you know, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person. And so a lot of people interpret that to mean like you can't have money and be a Christian or something like that. But I think what he's getting at is the idea, so he's speaking in a language that we all understand when it comes to finances. And right. we all know that if you have a lot of wealth, a lot of resources, then you tend to try to solve problems right. with that. Correct. Whereas when you don't, there's a there's a felt need, a felt dependency on yes. something else. And so him using that language here when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven is You need to have a felt need, a felt dependency Mm -hmm. on God in order to gain heaven. And you only get that when you recognize that you can't just throw wealth of spirit at him.
0: You can't just go, I've got this. I I solve all of my problems on my own. I'm good. Right. So another word for that, of course, is pride, Mm -hmm. which would be a a richness of the spirit, a wealth of the spirit. I like that. I I really like it. Actually, I like that term. I'm going to steal that from you. But I will give you credit. (laughs) Because I cite my sources. (laughs) Right. Okay. Just so you know. But yeah, like the, wealth, the wealthy in spirit, that's, that would be, the word we would use is pride. And one of my favorite definitions of all time for, for pride, it comes from a, a monk a couple centuries back by the name of Evagrius Ponticus. What a name. That's a great name. Evagrius Ponticus. I wish I could go back and name one of my children Evagrius Ponticus. My and wife, if
1: you're a wrestler kid listening to this, yes. I am so sorry. Could you imagine?
0: a Evagrius Ponticus Wrestler. No. Yes. That sounds fabulous. My <laughs> wife would veto that. Like, How did he define pride? He defined... <laughs> Thank you. He defined pride as saying or living as if God is not my helper. That's perfect. Isn't that great? That's great. Yeah. God is not my helper. Wow. I mean, that is the essence of what we're talking about here. If exactly. You're, if you're if to be poor in spirit is not necessarily not necessarily tied to your wealth although to Jesus's point wealth makes it more complicated mm-hmm. because it is really easy to depend on that rather than Christ mm-hmm. right just like if you are a very talented person right versus a less talented person it's you have a wealth of talents and so it's easy to depend on your talent or maybe your personality or your charisma or your opportunity or your genealogy, or whatever the benefit is, whatever the right. whatever it the benefit that you have received that was maybe never yours in the first place. It was just given to you. You were born mm-hmm. with it. You were born into it, whatever it might be. It, it's easy to lean on that versus
1: God. Do you think that is one of the reasons why it makes it so difficult to evangelize middle-class America? 100%. 100%.
0: Because there is a sense in which God is like, a break glass in case of emergency kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I get into trouble, like if I get cancer and now all of a sudden it doesn't matter how much money I throw at it or how much time I throw at it or how much talent I throw at it or how many like top doctors I go right. see now at the, the in the D, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I can't do this. I can't mm-hmm. control this. I can't fix this. I can't, I can't find my way out of this. So the only thing I can do now is go to God. I'll break glass. Okay. Right. Okay, okay. Jesus, now I need you. Right. Or the stock market crashes enron goes bankrupt yeah but that, that's years and years and years ago <laughs> I was now. say I mean, you were dating long, yourself i am yeah. dating myself that's like 20 yeah. some years ago but like something like that happens a ponzi scheme goes and the next thing you know like all your money that was invested there ftx it's gone ftx would be the most recent example nice job there brother yeah yeah i invested with this guy and now it's all gone and all my life savings everything i spent my entire life building up for so that I can have a nice retirement, do the things that I want to do, whatever that looked like, have the good life. All of that's now gone, through no fault of my own. And now what? Because now, now I'm not at the beginning of my career; I'm at the end of my career. Right now, I'm not. I don't have years and years and years to make up this deficit. I am like up against it. Maybe have to work the rest of my life. You know mm-hmm. what does that mean? What does that look like? I think about all the people that lost businesses during COVID, right? Lost livelihoods during COVID, and depending on how old you are or where you at in your career and all those kinds of things. For some people that's irrecoverable. They'll mm-hmm. never be able to go back. I know one guy, he had a, a great thriving business pre COVID and lost it. And he's in his sixties now. And he is now back doing construction at yeah. in his sixties. And his body is just, he t- I mean, he was telling me, he's like, my body is just, he's like, Doug, I'm going to be in pain the rest of my life. Cause yeah. this is the only way I can make ends meet. And I'm like, right, you know,
1: I mean, I I love that because so Jesus is coming to us and saying, hey, don't wait for that. Right. Don't wait until correct. Because when we do come across that in our sort of comfortable lives, when we go, I can fix my problems myself. Oh, here's a problem that I can't fix. Right. Uh, Jesus, where are you? he says the better life. I mean, he's constantly saying the kingdom of heaven is here. Yes. Right. Like right. he's, he's come to announce that in his ministry. And when he's saying you, you want heaven. And I think we're all kind of like, yeah, yeah. Y- y- yes, we do. Of course. Goes, okay. So here, here's how you get this fullness with God. Recognize the deficiency in yourself. Hmm. It's kind of like, recognizing that you don't have a really big bank account. I mean, he uses this word to kind of get us that. Recognize that you can't solve your problems in and of yourself, that there's more, you know it in your spirit. So when you recognize the deficiency of that, then there's room for God to step in. There's room for a savior. There's room for a Lord. And when you're there, now that's the first, now you've got heaven. That's right. Basically.
0: Yeah, because if you if, if God is just a, a just-break-glass-and-emergency kind of God, he's just a God of the gaps. Right. That's all he is. He's not really the Lord of your life. He is just a God of the gaps. He's a God of the gaps that you can't control. He's a God of the gaps that you can't manage. He's a God of the gaps that you can't fill. So it reduces Jesus significantly, it reduces his sovereignty, it reduces his majesty, it reduces his glory. Like and and, and Jesus is not going to settle for that. That's that's the other thing. That's the so here's the other piece of this, right? I mean, as people again, we tend we have this tendency to forget that Jesus is like a real person. Right. So guess what? He gets to have a real say in what whatever box we're trying to squeeze him into. Mm -hmm. Like when we try and squeeze him into a box, like, okay, God of the gaps, like you're okay. Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to come to you when I have cancer or I get Alzheimer's or my 401k collapses or my marriage, my my wife or husband walks out on me. Like I'll I'll come to you in those things. And and I want your help and I want you to be Lord. And I want you to, and I'll be dependent in those areas. But in these other areas, I'm good. I got it. Jesus is standing over there going, yeah, like, I'm not interested in a relationship on those terms. Right. And I'm actually not offering you a relationship <laughs> right, yeah. on those terms. I'm like, actually going to define how this relationship is like, like, going to work. Right. If you want a relationship with me, you have to accept my terms. And term number one yes. is poverty of spirit. Like that's, that's what I'm here to offer you. So you, you figure out if that's something that you want. And then I'll I'll help you map that out, right? Like we'll talk about your finances, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about your pride, and we'll talk about your self sufficiency. We'll talk about these things. Like I'll help you map it out. I'm not. You know, I understand you're not perfect. I mean, like Jesus knows us, so like none of that stuff surprises him. But. But condition number one on some level is, and it just makes sense logically when you think about it, in order to receive Jesus, you first have to believe you have a need for Jesus. Yes. Otherwise, why would you even take the step? Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so let, let's talk about. So, we talked about blessed mm-hmm. and, the, and the fullness of the meaning of that word. We talked about poor in spirit and the fullness of the meaning of that word and, and what that means. Let's talk about that last clause in the time we've got remaining the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. Of heaven like what, like when, so when people say like kingdom of heaven, I mean, of course that's going to spark all kinds of ideas in people's heads. Like, what does that mean? I mean, are we talking about like Charlie and the chocolate factory? And like, I just get to like eat, you know, alongside the Oompa Loompas and we're good. Like what, what are we talking about? Like, I mean, you know, are we talking about, uh, you know, Disneyland and like never, like never ending rides at like, you know, universal studios, like amusement park stuff. Like when we, when Jesus offers yes. us the kingdom. of <laughs> The answer is yes. Yes. I love that. <laughs> um, or is it like a choose your own adventure? Whatever is like kingdom of your heaven thing. is to you. Yes. Like it's just that to the nth degree. Scotland. Scotland, That's the you, kingdom you need, of heaven. You can just you know what, substitute Scotland fact that you Scotland did The fact that you that did clause. not say it with an accent means that you really don't know Scotland. No,
1: I absolutely <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, 100%. So. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven, it is. Yeah. Jesus says it on repeat, and I think yeah. that I'd love to hear thoughts on this because yeah. people think that... Uh, I remember hearing a song when I was... Well, uh, the song All Fly Away.
0: Yes. Right? right? right I
1: mean, right. growing up, you're just like... I'm going to die, I'm going to fly away mm-hmm. to this land and each of us gets to define what yep. that land uh-huh, looks like that's right. and I mean it's it's candy land it's right. the lollipop right. fairies and all mm-hmm. these kinds of wonderful things yeah. that we imagine and it seems that Jesus has a different definition yeah. when he talks oh my about gosh, it. So true. When he says the right. kingdom of heaven is here, you'd think people are looking around for the edible trees. Absolutely. Or the, right. you know, Careful when you say that in Colorado. We have, uh, we have edible that's true. trees in that's Colorado. True. Thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate yeah, that correction. We're not
0: sponsored by them, so <laughs> let's just make that clear. But there seems to yeah. be this
1: indication that heaven is, you know, Revelation talks about this new heaven and new earth that mm-hmm. things are going to be made new. That it's yeah. not this place we're going to be zipped away to in some right. sort of ethereal existence where we have no sense of what's going on, but it seems to be a renewal of things back to um, God's original design, mm-hmm. this in, this intention where he wants to walk with us in the right. coolness of the garden, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So when he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, it's this sense of you get a glimpse of the original design of things yeah. right here, right now, if you recognize this.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think going back to kind of like our conversation with Blessed, our conversation with Shalom, our conversation about Kingdom of Heaven is similar in that it is not just this world taken to its sort of logical and and most glor- you know, sort of glorious. No, no, it's something completely new and yet something completely old. Mm-hmm. It's something that existed in eternity and will exist for all eternity. And it's really a state. Yeah. It's it's not so much a place. It's not up there. It's not down here. It's not out there. It, that's why Jesus says it is at hand because it is a state. Yeah. And Jesus himself lives in that state all the time. Right. And, and yet he walks in this world and he interacts and he eats and he sleeps and he, you know, does whatever he needs to do, right? I mean... He does all of those things, and yet he is constantly in a state of the kingdom of heaven. Right? You know, so, yeah. so it's really about a state. It's a state of perfection. We mm-hmm. know that. It's a state of where, where there is n- no disease, nothing lacking, no injustice. And so in that sense, it's, it's not just perfection like, I don't make any mistakes. It's like a state of perfection that exists on a societal level or a global level Mm -hmm. where there is no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain, no more heartbreak, no more disappointment, no more fear, no more injustice, no more oppression, all of those kinds of things. It's not, it's, 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 it's a, and and that state, right, is what our hearts long for. I mean, again, no matter where you go in the world today, that is the state. It seems like every human being heart's, that we're just oriented that direction. Right. And it's because somewhere in our DNA, there's this genetic memory of the fall. Yeah. We, so rem- we remember the fall. We yeah. remember what it used to be. Right. This state of blessedness. I mean, again, whether you believe the Garden of Eden was real, planted somewhere, not planted somewhere. Yeah. The point is Adam and Eve walked with God on this earth in perfect relationship. In that state. And that's the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And God is on a mission to bring that back. Yep. And to restore all things to that state. That's good. Right? And so that's really what we're talking about here. We're going to keep this conversation going, Robbie, in uh, part two. We'll look at some of the other blessings of the Beatitudes. Um, But thanks, as always, to our brother Jake, the guy behind the glass making us sound good. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus in the weeks ahead. We'd love, as always, your comments and your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. And uh, please subscribe and stay tuned as we release more episodes. Also, share these episodes with your friends. Feel free to put them out on social media, whatever, again, platform form you may choose to share these. We'd love for you to do that as well so we can spread the word. We'll look forward to talking to you next time.